0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
1: Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and this is episode number 19. Today, me and Michael are talking all about early season bow hunting strategies that have worked for us in the past. Everything from early season scouting to gear preparation, access, food sources, and everything in between. So if you plan on being in the woods in the early season, this one is for you. What is going on, all of my fellow Southern Grounders? It is hunting season for most of you. It's not for me right now. However, I have gotten to spend some time in the woods in Kentucky. Michael is currently in Georgia, as we speak, hunting. Um, Alabama has not opened up yet, but I know a lot of you guys have already spent some time in the tree. Several of my buddies have been sending me pictures of deer that they've killed out of state. So, super pumped about that. It is that time of year, and... The leaves are still green, and it is still hot as heck outside, but at least we can be out chasing deer, and uh, man, I'm just, I'm so jacked up about it, but uh, I will tell you one thing I'm not jacked up about is um, I had already recorded a podcast for this week um, with a guy named Lock Wheeler from, he's a representative from Scree, and he also is a huge part of Louisiana Bowhunter on that, uh, that website and their podcast as well, and I was planning on playing that podcast this week until my computer crashed. All of the information, all of that recording was on that computer. I had not put it on my external hard drive yet, so um, this is kind of a last-minute podcast that we are doing. Um, it's all about early season strategies. Me and Michael recorded this together. He is in Georgia, like I said, um, so you're going to get a little bit of not amazing audio quality because he is calling in on the phone, but overall, is a great conversation about a few things that we think are very important for the early season. But before we get into that, I want to take a moment to give our partners a huge shout out. First and foremost, Onyx Maps—they have been with us almost from the very beginning. Um, they were probably the first people to um, to be on board with Southern Ground and. Man, I can't tell you enough about Onyx Maps. That mapping software is absolutely incredible. It saved my life so many times, getting into the woods, getting out of the woods, and finding a spot to hunt. Um, I've been using the tracking feature a whole lot lately, uh, and so, man, I just I can't say enough about that. So, if you are in the market for a new mapping software, I would highly recommend you check out Onyx Maps. Um, let's see who else. New Breed Archery. New Breed is my favorite bow company that is out there right now um, and not just because they're partners of the podcast. let me tell you why um, their customer service at New Breed is out of this world. It is insane like you can call in you can order a bow you can get a bow sent to your house to test out. you send them your, your specs and all that stuff you can test it out for 15 days and see if you like it. I don't know of, an, of another company that will that will do anything like that for you. So I highly recommend you check out New Breed. When you do that, when you call them and put in your order to get a new bow, tell them that Southern Ground sent you and you will receive a discount. Um, Let's see, who else? Tethered. Tethered is, um, man, I got to tell you guys, I have finally received my Mantis saddle. And it was every bit worth the wait. Now, I haven't got to get up to hunting height yet because... I don't have my predator platform yet, but I have been able to sit on the ground um, at ground level and just kind of hang from it and get used to it. And guys, if you have not ordered a tethered, or maybe you have ordered it and you have not received it yet, I'm just telling you, this is going to revolutionize the way that you hunt. I can already tell that I am going to be a saddle hunter for life. And um, man, so much good stuff to say about these guys. You can basically get into a tree and, from start to finish other than your climbing method you can be hunting out of it out of a saddle with one click of a button on the tethered nation website so go check them out the last thing that i've got for you today is go wild now we have been doing a really neat giveaway with go wild we are giving away a hundred dollars worth of go wild gear t-shirts hats and stuff like that that you can find it's the gear of your choice whatever you want to get All you have to do is tag me, Parker McDonald, or Southern Ground in a post on Go Wild. So, that giveaway is over. So, we are going to be announcing that at the end of this podcast. So, please don't just fast forward to the end trying to see if you won. Listen to this episode. I think you're going to get something good out of it. But just know that we are going to be giving away some cool stuff. Also, I, I forgot to mention that we are throwing in a premium Onyx membership to the person who wins this giveaway as well. So make sure you listen to the end of this podcast because we have got some uh, some giveaways to do. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I need to cover, and I don't think that there is. So you guys sit back. Enjoy this episode. Hopefully you get something out of it. I think you will. Let's get to my conversation with Michael Pike on early season bow hunting strategies. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am here with Michael Pike, and uh, Mike is on a trip to Georgia. How's that going, Mike?
0: It's going pretty good, man. That's awesome. Um, Besides being, um, I, I couldn't ask for a better trip. Um, I feel like I'm back in Kentucky, uh, to be honest.
1: That, that that doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, hey, I am having some of your luck this trip, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> it sounds uh, like left it. My
0: range find, left my rangefinder at home, I guess. Um, I didn't have the SD card in the uh, GoPro because, you remember, we uh, unloaded them to the computer and I never put it back in there. Um, then... What was it? Oh, I forgot my camera arm in the truck. I brought the base uh and the camera, but no camera arm. So you no hauled
1: remote. so you hauled that huge base <laughs> and didn't yeah. even get to set it up. <laughs> uh
0: uh-uh. uh. I had my I had my uh X A thirty just sitting on top of my uh, bag. I was like, if something comes out, it's probably gonna come out over here. Uh and and I just set it on top pointing in that direction. I was like Hopefully that's what happens. Oh, and the tacticam I ended up um leaving it in the truck and then <laughs> got it today and uh and then had misplaced the little screw and uh, bolt for the um tacticam to actually stay in the little uh, I don't little holster or whatever you call it.
1: Yeah, like the um, the stabilizer so, that it kinda goes in.
0: Right. So this whole trip I mean it's been one thing after another for real. I got down here late yesterday, um, because it was the last minute in the season 'cause I went to bed, you know, I went scouting with my dad. Um, he drew for a special opportunity hunt, um, down in South Alabama. And so we went and scouted it. after I worked like, you know, my my full shift down there at the hospital. So, um, you know, I was war slap out and then go you high know, for, you know, another, you know, eight hours or something like that, man, I was just plumb more out, and I was already sick, man, I was done for, like, I mean, I was sick that night, sick as a dog, and, um, so I said, you know what, I said, I'm not, I'm not going to Georgia, and, uh, but then I woke up the next morning, I think that's all I needed was some sleep, just some rest, um because i woke up the next morning i felt about 80 percent instead of about 20 percent. so uh so i packed up all my stuff and actually headed down here
1: well man it, it sounds like um from what you've been telling me it kind of seems like you've been seeing a good amount of deer down there
0: yeah yeah we have the first evening so um so we got there and uh i was running late so i went to a spot i'd Marked up two pins and I'd went to the lesser, you know, as far as what I thought was going to be a good spot of the two pins. And, uh, he went to a section. He's already been up here and hunted a few times and had done some scouting cause he lives in Auburn. So it's just like, you know, a short little drive, um, from school, you know, back over here. So anyways, um, so he went into a spot, he had been seeing some deer and, um, ended up, uh, setting up perfectly and um, had a a little buck come through, but it was going a little bit fast, and uh, then went through this awkward shooting lane, and he said he um, thought it was going to be a a good shot, but I think he ended up shooting maybe under or over his back. I can't remember which one it was, but anyways, he had that um, opportunity. you know a buck. And uh I think he had a doe or maybe a spike or maybe two more does come come through that, but wasn't able to get off a shot at them. And then um so I I was up on the hill um hunting one what it was was like some like two ridges of pines that fed down into a hardwood bottom. And so I figured like if anything was bedded in this huge stand of pines, it's gonna wanna eat something and there's some oaks dropping along the creek. So I was like, you know, I need to be down here at the base of that. They're probably going to funnel right off the hill and, and hit these oaks up. And um, they did, but they went to the spot that I thought was going to be better and then crossed the creek and went up the hill. Well, so I heard all those blue jays cutting up. So what I did is um, once they got away from me, I went ahead and headed off to the direction, you know, that I heard them go. Right. Because I figured I might could, might could get up on them and, and see what was going on. Well, there's a field pretty close by, so um, I went up to the field and looked out. Man, I didn't see the first deer, and I was like, you know, I know that that was a deer that that came off that hill and crossed that creek and went up to that field. Nothing. So, then I start going up to the middle of the field, and it kind of has, you know, like a, there's like a knoll, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Once you top that, then you can see actually over into the rest of the field. I could see the far side of the field, and I could see all of the corners, but there was a dip, a little sway that I couldn't see. And it was probably about two foot high grass. Um, So I'm easing up through there. I drop my pack, and I'm going to do like a little stalk and see if I can't get up there and see anything. Well, then I spot a doe, and then I spot another doe, and then there's like a little spike. And then there's like a um, – so I'm going ahead and I'm going to go stalk You know, on these, I'm like, you know, I want to go ahead and get a doe down. That's fine with me. So I'm about to take off and I get about 10 feet and then bam, I see a head pop up to my left about 30 yards away. And it's a little buck. He's like, I don't know, he's got a few points on one side and it looks like a spike on the other. And, um, so I'm filming him or so I thought I was filming him. Evidently I didn't hit record or my (laughs) recordings got off somehow. So here I am thinking I'm recording him the whole time. And I guess whenever I hit record, it was stopping. And then whenever I hit record again, then it was going on something like the ground. So anyways, well, then I'm focused on this deer. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to sit here and film them. And then, bam, like, no lie, like 15 or 20 yards to my left. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this buck was bedded down in the grass. Uh, and he's a nice, he's probably like a eight, nine, could have even been a ten point. He's just outside the ears, but he looked like he had some stickers and stuff, you know, coming off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he like, he, you know, I'm trying to get the camera, you know, on him. And I'm going from like sky ground, sky ground. And I'm like, focus so hard. I don't even see which way he goes. I don't know <laughs> if he goes left or right or which way he goes. So I thought he went right. So what I did is I went back down to my left to get my pack. And when I, when I do that, I see him again. Well, I'm standing completely still just trying to film him. And I'm filming him for like 15 minutes. I'm going through all the different settings and, you know, getting some good footage. No. No, I'm not. I was <laughs> never getting footage of him either because my recordings were off. So anyway, <laughs> it never was a cluster. Never hit nonetheless, the nonetheless. No, I was hitting it, I thought I'd I thought I'd hit it, you know, evidently whenever I switched the function to a different mode, then it automatically cut the recording, oh. and so, <laughs> yeah, so that's my only guess, because I don't have any footage of him, the only footage you see is me at last flight, like when I got tired of filming them for so long, I was like, you know what, I said, I'm done here, and I turned my flashlight on, and you see my flashlight, and then the you, you see the ground, and then me hit record again after I realized, "Oh crap, I didn't get <laughs> any of that footage." So that's, oh, that's a bad that. feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's a terrible feeling because I want y'all to see, you know, what I saw. Cause yeah. I, mean, I saw a nice buck. You know, I watched him for like you know fifteen minutes.
1: Literally, all um, I think about when I like I, it would be nice to have the video footage because I'm just like picturing, like most guys or hunting in a tree stand, and they hear deer, they hear blue jays, whatever, they'll be like, okay, the deer are coming. Well, nothing happens, and they just continue sitting there waiting for another deer to come, but you're like, I'm going to go find them. It's like Elmer Funnett, yeah. dude, just like up the There's hill, it. into the field, walking in the middle of the field, just looking for the deer. See, that's what I picture. See,
0: there, yeah, well, that, that I mean, that's it, dude. I mean, no <laughs> I mean it sounds goofy, but listen, there are only certain times, most of the time when these deer move through. If you don't, if you don't have deer movement by a certain time, you're not in the right spot. And so I knew that these deer. We're going to talk,
1: we're going to talk about that today. Um, that's,
0: that's what the podcast is going to be all about. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I guess I should have told you what we were talking about before I
0: (laughs) called you and hit record. Yeah. So, anyways, you um, my wife actually—I I just talked to her. She just said, "What do y'all do the podcast on?" I said, mm, "I don't know." I said, I "Guess whatever Parker has in mind." I guess.
1: <laughs> well, so, um, yeah. where you, are you? you got more?
0: Well, we—I um, saw a buck tonight and had him at no He was probably like five to eight yards away. You know, when I see most people talk about, oh, I had a had a bucket. You know, five steps like bullcrap that thing was like more like you know 15 or 20 steps yeah but this dude i could hear him breathing and chomping and like in his breath he sounded like a horse you ever walked up to a horse and you hear how heavy his breathing is oh yeah dude like, I've,
1: I've had deer would, come up that close before where it sounds like a horse
0: yeah i'll be surprised if this thing if this thing right here doesn't pick it up real well because uh i mean he was just that close that's awesome. Uh, I just knew he was gonna I just knew he was gonna bust me, but he didn't. And then uh I got a question for you though. A group of does.
1: I got a question for you about okay. that buck. So you sent me a text message that said uh is this close enough? And I still don't know what that was. Well that just, did you like were you videoing <laughs> his ball sack? Is that what it was?
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I was videoing this deer and like, no lie, I got the video for, you know, like forty five minutes to an hour. And he's, like, so freaking close. And I was zooming in and, and you know, on his head and zooming out. And then, like, I realized one time, like, when he had moved, I was like, I saw ticks. So I thought it would be funny if I zoomed in and <laughs> if we counted the ticks, if, you know, it would be like a joke or something. And then when I did, I was like, holy crap. I was like, there's the boss accident i zoomed in and out in and out like thinking that would be a funny little thing
1: for uh, instagram yeah uh, but i didn't know
0: i didn't know how appropriate it would be or, or what so man i, I mean we really on instagram yet?
1: we really haven't uh exactly set a standard for appropriate stuff so i say yeah. i say go ahead and post it on the instagram <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it, awesome really
0: funny though and I, I sent it to uh, Andrew. He said, "I looked over at my phone." He said, "Hey man," he said, "you get, you got a buck real close to you." yes. <laughs> and so I was like, "Yeah." And I sent him that of me zooming in and out of the balls, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it was hilarious, dude. That's I was crazy. like, "Yeah, real close." <laughs> that's awesome.
1: So, um, so that's cool. I'm I'm glad you're on deer, and you're you're leaving tomorrow, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, I got to head out tomorrow, so I only got in like i only have like five hunts
1: in so total okay so i i actually got to go back to kentucky this past weekend and um i man it's the same i felt like whenever i step foot into that place it's like all of my luck goes away and everything good that's ever happened to me is like well it's not gonna happen (laughs) on this trip so i first get there that morning on uh it was like I drove all night to get there, and I got there at like five yeah, so fifteen.
0: This is gonna be the first I've heard of most of this. Yeah, we really didn't get to talk that much.
1: No, we didn't. So so about five five fifteen, I get out of the truck and um, I start getting everything ready, and I'm gonna do spot and stalk this um, this morning because mornings are typically slow out there. It was kind of cloudy, overcast and stuff. Well, I get out there, start start hunting and stuff, and. Um, you know, I see. I saw a couple does, or I guess they were does. I couldn't actually tell what they were. Uh, I saw a couple deer, and uh, and it was really cool. I thought I was going to get a shot off at one, and it just went the opposite direction. Uh, so that was fun. Well, then it started just pouring down rain, man. And um, I was like, well, I got to get my camera out of the rain. I'll I'll go get the camera out, and I'll go to a different spot that I want to check out, and maybe try to still hunt that too. So I get back to the truck and I go reaching for my my keys in my pocket. And at this point, it's pouring down rain, and uh, my keys are not in my pockets. And I look at my window, and I have locked them in the Hummer. And this is the first oh man, <laughs> this is the first day, man. That's like the first time I, I you know hunted back in Kentucky on this trip, and um, it was just like that. It felt like the whole rest of the trip. It's I don't I don't <laughs> get it, dude. I just. I bought a brand new rangefinder and it messed up on one of the hunts that I was on and I think I actually figured out what was going You're on. Your new one did? Yeah, yeah, my brand new one that I just bought to replace the rangefinder oh, that broke the last time I was in Kentucky. And gotcha. uh yeah, it it was pretty discouraging. Um luckily I didn't see any deer that day, but everything kind of went to crap except for one evening I went to this spot and it's super secluded, man, like super secluded i had to paddle a long ways to get there the, the the field itself wasn't secluded like somebody could have hunted another section of it fairly easily but it was a huge field and it was a back corner of it and there just wasn't anybody is going to walk to it honestly like i just right I, I highly doubt it and that doesn't mean that some people wouldn't but i just really would doubt it um and so i went back in there and and found a tree that i could climb which is a pain in the butt to do in Kentucky as well, um, which I I came home to my tethered saddle in the mail, which was kind of it was a great thing, but it was like, well, why did <laughs> I come last week, you know? Um, uh, and, and honestly, well, I, I keep telling the story. So that evening, I sat there and I saw thirty plus deer. I saw so many deer that night, um, just coming yeah. out into that cornfield, and I just assumed that they were going to come out from the woods. I was hunting in between bed and and this cut cornfield and did you
0: not learn that lesson from last trip <laughs> well
1: no, no 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 let me let me say that the beds that the the bedding area that i was hunting the last in on this spot were like right off the cornfield it was those crp fields and it there was like just a thin strip of woods probably only 10 yards right. wide and There's and no then into the C, crp yeah i wasn't going to be able to get right <laughs> up in there well about uh i don't know five o'clock or so Uh, a doe comes out and she walks like she's going to walk right into my shooting lane and she stops and busts out of there she didn't blow or anything she just kind of ran ran off and ran back into that bed in there right and i was like crap she was walking straight to a white oak that was dropping acorns right behind me and and that's where she was going to go to but anyway so Um, I I decided to drop some milkweed. When I first got there, the wind was right in my face. It was perfect. And it was supposed to be that way all evening. Well, I dropped some milkweed and it's going straight at my back and into the field, into the cornfield, like right where she stopped. Mm. It's like, gosh, dang it. And so I sat there about 30 minutes later, two decent bucks walk out with, I don't know, probably four or five does. And they're walking through the same trail. And I was like, man, and those, these bucks were just running. Like they were at like a, at a trot, like a fast-paced trot, and they like, do that. Yeah, it was it was have crazy. You,
0: have, have you have you noticed that? Like yes. what they'll do is they get a place that they know they want to go to, and they'll just run straight there real quick, like uh-huh. And that's what you know, they were doing. Like, they, like it, it's kind of like <laughs> kind of like this. All right, you ever been at home and like it's nighttime and like you don't know well you kind of live way out in the middle of nowhere but you know i've got a neighborhood a subdivision and our whole front door is just like glass so like if you're ever like i don't know walking around in your underwear you might or walking around naked after taking a shower you like just dart across real quick to get from point a to point b that's what it felt like these deer were doing yeah
1: (laughs) so so these deer i mean they're at like a fast pace and they're about to just go right in my shooting lane. I'm going to bleed at them, get them to stop. So I got my camera ready, dude. I was ready for it. And I'm just sitting there waiting. And all of a sudden, they run back the other way. And all probably five or six deer that were out there at that time in that specific spot did the same thing. Well, then they come right back and try to do it again. And then they run back out. And I'm just just beating myself up, man. Because here's the thing. If I were in a saddle, there was no way I could shoot from the ground in this spot because the corn was actually standing on the edge, and right. and so I could see down into it. Well, if I were in a saddle or, or something like that, I would have been able to get close where I wanted to go. Actually, where my pin dropped it was, it was dropped at. I could have hunted that and killed those deer, but right. it didn't happen. Well, I sit there, and dude, from that point on, it, deer were just flooding out of the woods. Like just it was every time I look up, I see another deer. I was actually looking at footage that I got um, of some deer that evening. Yesterday, I finally was looking looking for it. My computer crashed and uh, stupid stuff. And uh, I was looking and I was like, eh, I didn't even know there was a deer right there. And you can see deer running. And I actually got one buck that ran off. And uh, and I didn't even know it was there. So, I mean, there was deer all over that field, man. At one point, I was looking at them and I was like, are these hogs? Because like, were, there were some that were far away. Really? And they were just single filing out of the woods, and they they were going fast like hogs, like hogs do out in East Texas where I where I hunt at some. And I was like, "There's no hogs out here." And so I finally looked up at them, and I got my binoculars on them, and I was looking at them, and like, man, these are just a bunch of deer out here. And uh, at one point, the all, all these little deer were walking out, these little does and you know yearlings. They were running running all over the place and just bleating like crazy. It was meow, 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 meow. Which I've never seen that before either, not like that. And so, right. um, finally, one comes into my shooting lane. But the problem is, I, I'm out of camera light. I really want to get these deer on camera. Like the first kill of the season, I really like to have on camera. And uh, I'm already, I've already dropped my bow and am packing up my my camera arm. And I look up and there's a deer standing at 25 yards right in the shooting lane. And uh,
0: wow,
1: yeah, so. So that was a bummer. And then the next morning I tried to go into where I knew that those deer were coming out at. Um, Mm -hmm. I just hiked in there. I didn't kayak to it. I just hiked in to where a lot of those deer were filing out at. And I actually had two deer bed right behind me. And, uh, and then when I got down, they, they busted out of there. I thought they had just passed through and they ended up busting out of there. So that was my trip to Kentucky. I saw, you know, over 30 deer, which would be, deer. would be great, yeah. you know, except for I saw most of those on one sit. Um, right. But that, it, it kind of got me thinking. So I mentioned that my computer crashed. Well, I had a podcast that I had recorded several weeks ago with another guy that I was going to put on for this week. And, uh, and my computer just completely would not even turn on this morning. So, uh, that's why I, I called you. and that's I was just kind of thinking about, you know, what, what could we talk about this week? Um, things that would be, uh, that 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 listeners could apply right now and um, i think talking about early season tactics that we've learned everything from from you know scouting to you know the, the actual hunt and there's things that happen throughout these this part of the season that really if somebody had something to just listen to and and maybe have a checklist then man we would have saved ourselves a lot of trouble. You would have saved yourself just a lot of trouble just today, you know? And, right. uh, and so, you know, as a last minute podcast, this is kind of a, I think it'll be a very beneficial one. And I really wanted to have you on it, um, because I know a lot goes into your early season preparation as well. And so it's just going to be the the two of us talking about what we do early season. I got a couple of things, um, that I really want to, want to hit on and I'll just, I'll just kind of go through those really quick, but scouting, um, gear preparation, access and then the actual hunt uh, because all those things are different in the early season than they are in you know once you get into the rut into the late season the weather changes a ton you know and uh, right wind directions change uh, as far as your uh, your dominant wind it's gonna it's gonna change you know at some point after the early season and so um, your preparation really does does you know switch up just a little bit so, um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and get started, uh, just with the scouting. So we've talked about scouting before, um, you know, the summer scouting, spring scouting, even uh, post post season scouting. So February and March scouting, and then turkey hunting scouting. We've we've talked about all that stuff before. But one thing that that I really want to get your opinion on, Michael, because I know this is kind of your this kind of your thing that you you do really well is scouting. Um, as far as like scouting this close to season or even during the season, um, what what's what's that look like for you? As far as you know, let, let's just take Alabama for example. We haven't even started our season yet in Alabama. Um, right. What do you think is too close to the season to scout?
0: Um. So this is this is what I usually tell everybody. Um, you know, if it were me, um, and I was getting a late start like this, like maybe you know, this is the first time somebody's listened to the podcast or they're just now learning about the hunting beast, something like that. Um, what what I usually tell everybody is don't go scout your, you know, your good areas where you know deer are, where you shot them in the past or you see them every year. Don't go scout those areas. Save those. What you need to do is go scout an area for next year or go scout an area for, you know, three you know, four months from now, late season, you know, do, don't, just don't mess up your good spots just so you can know what you already know. Um, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, So what, what I would do is I would just go scout somewhere for, you know, the next season, you know, that way you're, you've got one, you know, one leg up, you know, for next year. Um, You don't always have to use that intel for this year. I mean, a lot of those areas, you know, are going to be used year after year the same exact way because, you know, unless somebody comes in, you know, a timber company, you know, logs a whole, you know, area, you know, unless there's some kind of drastic change, you know, those areas are going to kind of stay the same. So once you figure that out, you know, you can use that for future years and you just build up. You know, I had a year worth of scouting, you know, that I didn't really apply, you know, for my second or you know that year but i applied it for my second year and now i'm on like uh this will this will be my fourth year um since you know i've learned about the hunting beast and uh this will be my third season you know after really nailing down bedding and that kind of thing um so you know there's, there's a progression you know you're not going to go out there i think dan says this too you know i thought after reading all the stuff on the hunting beast I was going to go out there and I was going to knock down, you know, like tag out within the first two weeks as much knowledge as I soaked up uh, (laughs) during that first year. And, boy, I tell you what, it was a reality check um, for me that first year. Um, There's so much that you don't know. And you really have to build on everything, you know, like your wind and your thermals. You know, you may find out, you know, exactly where they're bedded, Um, But how are the deer using that bedding? How are they coming into it? You know, what food sources are they headed to once they leave there? Um, You've got all of these different, you know, tiny little details that, you know, are around bedding. But, you know, just learning bedding or or certain little things are not going to, you know, put you on deer. Right. You you know, you, you have to learn the whole process. Um, so So, that's what I'll do. I would, I would just hold off, use it for the next year.
1: Yeah. So, so that, that kind of, this time of year, uh, I'm really not, I'm not looking at places that I can go in and put boots on the ground and, and scout. Now, that doesn't mean I won't do it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it because (laughs) there's some places that I just want to know about and you want to have plenty of places to go. Um, to where you can to where you can go in there and and feel confident, you know, you know the area or whatever. But that being said, man, cyber scouting is your best friend especially this time of year because you really like there's spots that I have that I'm not even going to step foot in until I hunt it. Because like, I already know what it looks like. I know I don't need to know that there's deer in there. Um, because I already know there's going to be deer in there and and I don't really feel like I won't even I'm not even going to hang a trail camera in there during the summer. Because I just don't want to, I don't want to mess with it. You know, I know there's deer there. It's a waste of my time to go in there. Um, But I will. Go ahead.
0: And that's another thing I see a lot of people um, really messing up with is trail cameras. You know, you've got people that are so impatient with trail cameras. And, you know, they want to go put them out. And then they, you know, want to dump some corn or dump mineral or something like that. Well, all you're doing is altering their normal pattern to go this one thing. That does not help you out whatsoever when the season kicks in. You know, yeah. that intel is no good. Yeah. And another thing, they want to check trail cameras every, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks. You know, if, if, if. so I put up trail cameras um, a while back, and I'll, I'll let mine soak for a whole season. I don't use any intel for that season. I put them out when I go to a spot, and that is the last time I see it, and I go back to pick it up in, like, February or March. And all of that information is crucial. I mean, that tells me everything that's going on over, like, a three- or four-month period um, instead of, like, you know, you've got two weeks, you know, somebody just put a trail camera out, a lot of times those bucks may come by one time. As soon as they pick up that scent, they will not show up for another two weeks, almost on the dot. Yeah. All right. So if if you've got, you know, your first picture and you're like, oh man, that's a huge buck. Well, then you go back and check it two weeks later. You know, you're not going to see, you know, basically anything after that first buck picture. And a lot of people will, will hunt that deer. Another thing, a lot of people think, just because they got like a, Two o'clock in the morning, or, or you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, picture of a huge buck that it's hanging around right there. The chances of you being able to kill that outside of the rut are slim to none.
1: Right. I mean, it's just yeah, because he's going he to is. be he's going to be somewhere else. He's going to be traveling, right? right.
0: He's going to be traveling from bed to food, and if he's only making it there, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, I highly doubt you're going to kill that buck outside of the rut.
1: Now, I will say this though, and I learned this you know through going to Kentucky I think you I think there's there are differences so a lot of guys who are listening to this are probably hunting in the south who are they're hunting farmland ag country you know there's a lot of places in Georgia even in Alabama where you know a nighttime picture of a buck it this time of year does not necessarily mean that he's going to be far away um I, just seeing how far these deer are actually traveling from bed to food um you know i i feel like if you if you're around ag you're going to be pretty close to where to his home range you know if if you get a picture of him even in the nighttime um and that's that that might just be a personal opinion that's that's kind of what i noticed that the deer just weren't the travel was not far but in places like where we hunt in bankhead and and places like that i know for a fact that deer travel further they have to yeah you know yeah. their their yeah. options are so it's much slimmer Lord. yeah that, yeah, right. there's big woods deer. They they just, they're going to travel farther. And so um, I think it definitely depends on the, the scenario, the, the, the place, the property that you're hunting, but that doesn't change the fact that a deer, it, you, you got to keep your pressure away from it um, with the exception right. of like, of like, you know, public land hunting trips, you know, where you're going out of state or something like that. I, I tend to like to be a little more aggressive than conservative when it comes to, um, you know, you got seven days to hunt, and you just sure. gotta make it happen. Right. Um, so, and,
0: um, if, if you're getting, if you're just since we're on this topic, if you're getting trail cam pictures of a buck and he's coming out thirty minutes to an hour before dark, you better be at that spot. You know, as soon as that season opens up, because that that buck is bedded very close to where that camera is put. Um, those bucks just don't travel very far before daylight. Right. So, you know, if he's got a big buck on camera, you know, in daylight, early season, that deer is going to be very close and he could even be watching where your camera is. So I'd be really careful, but I mean, hunt the sign, you know, too, if, if you've got, you know, all of your sign there, um, if you got a big buck on camera that early in daylight, you better be on it.
1: Yeah, and that, and that, honestly, man, that's why I don't use trail cameras, is because I know. Um, I've said it before. I, I I don't use trail cameras for the same reason I don't use a fish finder while I'm fishing, is because I know if there's right. an, an a deer in the area or if I know there's a fish right underneath me, I'm gonna sit there all day until I catch that fish, and he's never gonna bite my what I got. But I'm, <laughs> I'm the right. I'm the same way when it comes to deer, and I I know this about myself. Um, I can be very impatient if I know that there's a booner running around there, because I got him on camera once at two o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna hunt that spot until I can't see straight, and and I just I just assume not do that. I like I kind of like the surprise. I like the um, I like that it forces me to be a little more, um, you know, patient and move around a little bit more. I didn't start killing deer. Until I started moving around and being mobile, so so basically to to kind of put a cap on scouting, which I'm sure it'll come up in the rest of this conversation, but um, kind of my takeaways from it are are basically you know be very careful with with your how much you're actually going into the woods before the season or even during the season um, during bow season. I see guys all the time who are like decided to walk around and scout for a little bit after they got out of the stand. I'm like, why did you do that? Because all of your, all the scouting that you're doing right now is just giving more and more intel. If you know that deer is there, get out of there. Like just get in and get
0: out. If you really want to take your scouting to the next level, then you need to give up your spring for, for one or two years. And you need to be out there every single day from the, you know, the day your season ends or the day you tag out. If you tag out early, don't just think, okay, well now I go on to my next thing. No. You start scouting right then, you know, yeah. as soon as you can, because there's there's another thing too, I'll get I'll touch on here in just a second, that I think it's vital you know, as far as scouting. But basically start scouting in the spring. That's when all of your signs gonna be visible. You'll be able to see beds better you'll be able to see, you know, what late season food sources they're hitting up because there's not that many in late season. You know, all of your, you know, most of your green things have you know, died. Um, you know, your acorns, a lot of those um maybe been picked over or, you know, there's none on the ground. So your your food sources really dwindle down and that bedding is gonna change related to those food food sources and that cover. You know, you might walk into an area in uh, late spring, like this year. When was our green up? It was like in March this year. It happens so fast. It was even earlier. Normally, normally, you know, it's like in April sometime, but this year it was like almost a month early, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. But um, anyways, make sure you get in there at those times because that's when your cover is going to be, you know, the smallest. So you're going to be able to find those late season spots that you're just not going to be able to find when green up comes.
1: Right. You're not going to be
0: able to, to decipher, hey, is this going to be late-season bedding or is this going to be early-season bedding? Also, they're switching from their winter coats to their summer coats, and they start shedding a ton. And when you find beds and you find a ton of hair in them, you better mark it because that's a late-season um, bed that, that you know you just found. It's right in that transition, you know, right as green up starting to occur, you know, that's about to change. All of that's about to change. So yeah. keep that in mind, too, you know, for those that are scouting. Pay attention to the hair, too. Um, if you have straight hair or if you have little um, crinkle, crinkly looking hair, you know, the crinkly stuff, you know, that you can break apart real easy that means it's been there for, you know, quite a long time and is already, you know, kind of dry rotten, I guess, or or whatever have you. Um, And if it's straight and, you know, doesn't break real easy, then, you know, that's a fresh bed And mark it for that, you know, time of the year. Um, Anytime you jump a deer, um, one of of the things that I told you I was going to touch on was in-season scouting. All right, if you go to an area and it doesn't pan out how you thought it was going to, when you went, especially if it's a morning hunt, go walk the area, find out what, you know, what you're missing. You know, maybe you heard some blue jays, you know, hollering or some squirrels barking, you know, 150 yards away over on the other side of the ridge, walk over there and see what's going on. You know, it may be that, you know, there's something over there that are making these deer gravitate towards that area. Um, I think it's a lot, of something, yeah. you know, people don't really think about. I, I
1: i honestly tend to disagree just a little bit on that um just uh, that doesn't mean i'm not gonna hunt the same area but man I, I i understand what you're saying and i i get it but i hate getting my scent everywhere you know what i'm saying like uh, that that doesn't mean i don't do it occasionally but there's like a voice in the back of my head telling me like if you heard something <laughs> you think that it might be there just go hunt it just wait until you hunt it. Don't go right. in there and look at it. And so, then...
0: so this is where you probably have differences in personality. Um, I'm a I'm a very patient guy um, when it comes to you know like certain things. Like so, I'm thinking long term. And if my if my goal is to kill a big buck, and like basically I don't have to kill a big buck this year. As long as I know all the pieces to the puzzle, that way I can apply them for next year. In-season scouting is the best information you can gain, bar none. It beats post-season scouting, it beats any other scouting during the year. If you go into an area and you see no sign in the area that you hunted that morning, then you walk over one ridge and the place is lit up with scrapes and rubs, you would never have known that all of that stuff was over there if you were, you know, being, I guess, a little less aggressive. And, you know, as far as you don't have to go and hunt it this year. And when I say aggressive, there are certain times to be aggressive, especially like what we were talking about earlier with our out of state hunting. But in season scouting, dude, that is the best information, in my opinion, that you can gain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I don't disagree with you. I just uh I have a hard time doing it, honestly. I just I just struggle with it. Yeah, just that, like
0: your trail camera.
1: <laughs> huh? Yeah, just yeah, just like with my trail camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm an aggressive right. person. Uh and I think maybe the aggression that I that I use in that is I'll just go hunt it. Like if if I see a spot on my map that looks good instead of going and looking at it, I'm just gonna go and sit there. And,
0: uh, I guess maybe aggression was probably, like, the wrong word to use. Maybe, um, I don't know, I, I'm always intrigued. Or right. I always feel like I'm missing out on something. You know, right. I, I, something just isn't making sense. You know, like, why did those deer not come right here kind of thing? Well, like, and, so and another thing with me- you,
1: though, Mike, is that you are, you're, uh, I keep thinking of, like, the little guy on Mr. D's, you, you're very, very sneaky. Um you're typically not going in and blowing up the woods by climbing up a tree and and making a whole lot of noise in the first place that most hunters are doing already and I think for me like because I'm already I'm climbing a tree, I'm making noise, I'm doing things that they're not used to doing. I think the 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 extra going a little bit extra and and checking out areas and stuff that's why, a lot of the times for me, I just, I just assume get out of there. That doesn't mean though that I don't find things. Like if I, if I go look at a spot, um, if I go hunt a spot, cause that's typically what I'll do, I'll just go hunt it. Um, that doesn't mean I don't find things on my way to there. Um, uh, I've also found right. that using different access, you know, if I find certain things on my way to a spot that look good and realize that my access is just tearing up, you know, that area i can find a different access to get to it so it definitely does help knowing like that in season uh, you know scrapes are a big thing that i find a lot um sure i find a lot and on the walk you, in
0: yeah and you but just touched on access i yeah, think access may be one of our topics
1: it is yeah i do have access on here and we can we'll get to that um i want to get to something first though that just kind just kind of sh- to show the progression i guess of of the of the preparation of the hunt or whatever for the early season so kind of covered scouting Mm -hmm. uh we have a little bit differing opinions on that i'm sure other guys would be able to chime in too um because some people may have stuff that we don't have that we hadn't even thought of um but for me personally cyber scouting is the best thing that i can use for this time of year now the best thing you can do is be scouting during the spring during the summer just throughout the whole season throughout the whole year i mean and um and and kind of have your intel that way, but cyber scouting this time of year, I'm probably not going to do a whole lot other than that, unless it's just to check access points and things like that. Um, right. So so the next thing is something that's been kind of a uh a, a rough thing for you and I both, and I, I think it'll be pretty short. But gear preparation before you even go into the woods. So. <laughs> <laughs> we we both chuckle because this has been something for us specifically this season that's just been really tough man it feels like i'm never as prepared as i think i am so uh, I, I i guess i'll start um with typically what i'm what i'm packing in so this time of the year is hot um i'm i'm trying to think light I, obviously you don't have to carry I don't anyways. I know some guys do. You don't have to carry bleat, doe bleats or grunt calls or heavy gloves or an extra jacket. You know, your layers and stuff. You can pretty much um, go as lightweight as possible as far as clothing goes. And then your gear, you really don't need a whole lot of things to to make it in the stand other than the most important thing is, you know, the thermocell for sure. As far as a gear, something that would go in your pack. Thermocell, um, safety harness things like that and uh mike maybe you're maybe you're a little bit different do you i know what i do normally is i'll lay everything out on the floor and just basically say okay this is exactly what i need do you do you do something similar to that um
0: somewhat yeah i i'm the i'm i'm terrible at preparation to be honest with you (laughs) I'm always last I'm a procrastinator, so I'm always usually like on stand. Well, I don't use a stand, but I don't normally, on know ground. where I'm going before I realize. Oh crap! I don't have this. I don't have that. Um, <laughs> I think I get it from my. I think I get it from my dad.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: That's my mom. Awesome. My mom has to my dad's brain. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, so are but, you doing like? I mean. I try to what here's what I here's what I do. I try to make sure I got the you know, the necessities. You know, like, hey, do you have your weapon? Yes. <laughs> check. Hey, do you have your camera? Yes, check. You know, like boots, you know, what you're gonna wear for the day, like that kind of thing. Like yeah. I make sure I have the most essential things that I can get by with and then everything else just kinda gets thrown in there.
1: Yeah, I've I've been that way. Um, I feel that way sometimes, even though I'm not. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that's really helped me out this year, and that is doing like mock setups where, I, you know, I go out to a, yeah, a that, tree or yeah. something and just set up everything and make sure yeah. I have everything that I need. Um, and I think a lot of guys fail to do that. I have in the past. Dude, last year I literally bought my stand because I had to, I changed up a lot because I was switching to the to a kayak so I couldn't use the same climbers that I was using and stuff like that um so I I, but I didn't even climb the climber before the opening day of the season I bought the climber the day before opening day of the season so I never did a mock setup and guess what I had a lot of things that I was learning at four o'clock in the morning and while I'm trying to climb
0: I don't know if you remember or not. We were supposed to meet up at the Archer Range, Coleman, that day, and I said, "Hey, bring all your gear. Let's go ahead and do a, do a mock setup. That way, we make sure we got everything how it needs to be." Because I mean, we have a lot of camera equipment and stuff right. too, and you just don't know how everything is going to. I had a new pack this year. I don't. I didn't know what the best way to pack it was going to be, you know. And you hate to find out, you know, this kind of stuff when you're in a different state mm-hmm. hunting a new area and you're constantly running late, you know, to things, and, you know, things are getting in the way and a lot of things that you don't know are going to happen, happen. Um, and I think that's an excellent idea for anybody, especially going out of state. I mean, you know, yeah. just go in your backyard, you know, climb a tree with all of your gear and just think about all of the stuff you know that's going to happen where do you have your range finder
1: (laughs) that seems to be a big one for us
0: i think we both can relate to that one yeah you know sometimes i have it in my pack sometimes i have it in my pocket you know i need to get you know these pockets nailed down like where do i put certain items um that way you always know that you got them um so definitely i think that is a great point you know for somebody you know
1: because yeah, that'll that'll make or break or your break. hunt real quick. Right. Um, just looking, thinking about Kentucky, um, it wasn't that I wasn't prepared necessarily, but having a piece of gear, a piece of equipment that's so vital like a range fighter, having it go out on me like that, right? Like, that's that is a vital thing, and it cost me a deer just from the I don't know third day of that trip on. It cost me a deer almost every single hunt not having that rangefinder. So, um, I definitely suggest using mock, doing a mock setup before. And every time you add something to your to your your gear list, set it up like figure it out. Figure out where it goes in the progression of your setup. Um, and that's one thing that I'm that I'm trying to get better at, even with camera equipment. You know, and I'm constantly changing how that even goes right now um, in these trips that I've taken. I'm constantly working on trying to make it more streamlined, but have a system in place. Um, you know, I, I would suggest to anybody to overpack, um, especially like overpack what you what you've got in your truck. And then when you're actually going into hunt, go through everything that you've got and and get the things that you you feel like you need. But there's nothing worse nothing worse than being you know out there and, and realizing oh crap i need this so just take everything i keep everything in a bag everything that i have that's hunting related i keep it in a it's like a, a waterproof bag because i take it on the kayak so i actually take most of my stuff out with me on the kayak and um right and if i need it then it's just right there at the boat um
0: so yeah, yeah I over overpack everything have one for camping. i have one for camping and one for hunting gear and, um, and then I have my uh, big duffel bag for hunting clothes. And normally, like, I have everything either in the truck or either in one of those containers. I have no clue. The only thing I can figure out with the range finder is when I got home and I washed the clothes, I think I may have taken it out of one of the pockets and just set it on my, um, like, a dresser. <laughs> um, that's the only thing I can think of. Because my Haviland knife, I found it, actually, on top of the dryer. Evidently, um, my wife ended up going and washing some clothes or something, and threw it in there, and and it was uh it was on the dryer. So well, at least um, you've gotten to use your knife. Kind of, yeah, I <laughs> have. <Yeah. laughs> um.
1: So so that, that that was a real quick one, but um we're you know we're pretty low on time right now, and we're getting to some of the good stuff. But the next part would be access. So you've got all your gear, you've done your scouting how are you getting into your places and so um, a couple of the bullet points that I have here are wind direction um, creative access I have specifically water access because I use that a lot um, walking in on the creek and on, on the creek bottoms or on the ridge tops aggressive or conservative access um, and then going through food and that I think that also varies uh, on the time of day that you're hunting whether it be in the morning or the evening so let's start with wind direction so I mean I think it's pretty simple. You want to access with the wind at your face. Would you agree?
0: Um so
1: <laughs> This is a simple answer, Mike. Like,
0: <laughs> no. It, <laughs> yeah, so I don't typically play by the rules though. That's um, true. What what I what I usually do, um me personally, if it's in the morning, um thermal's going to be dropping I, basically, I try to stay away from where the food is for one, or I I would attempt to um, in the morning wherever they might be. Yeah, in the morning yeah. wherever they might be feeding. You know, I, and here's another thing I do. If think about all your trails, you know, if if you've scouted, if you've done your homework, where all these trails are going to be, don't cross a bunch of them, you know, walk down a deer trail to get to your spot. Take the hard access, you know, go over the rocks, go up over the bluffs. You know, too many people, I think, make the mistake of using deer trails or easy access to get to their spots. Mm-hmm. That Just because you can make a lot more noise, listen, these deer might be two ridges over, you know, and they're coming back to bed, you know, where you're accessing but if you're walking down their deer trail, I mean, you're just like shooting yourself in the foot in my opinion.
1: Um, yeah. And so and to I, that point, um I also think it changes it changes definitely uh morning to evening, but I also think it changes during the time of the year because um a lot, if you're if you're hunting for, if you're if you're hunting for bucks, I'll say um mm-hmm. I, I think your access is so much more important and some people might shoot me for this but i think your access is so much more important in the early season because these deer are these deer are figuring things out they're just starting to get pressured and and they don't have anything distracting them they've got food and they've got bed that's pretty much the only thing i have found that i get away with a whole lot of of access mistakes during the rut because they they're not really as on top of on top of their game as they during the early season so i think your early season access is the most vital part of your hunt
0: yeah i i would say yeah (laughs) for me late season access is the hardest um early season i feel like you can get away with a lot more just because of all the foliage like say you're hunting a creek crossing that's right below bedding you can get in there pretty pretty good because um because of all the foliage, even if there's a deer and it hears you, um, it cannot see you most of the time. So I actually prefer uh, to to access in the early season. And I find it most difficult in the late season once all of the leaves have dropped. Um, the deer, you know, have been shot at, you know, 15 times. Um, I think that's the hardest for me. Um, but I, I agree with you on the rut. I agree with you on the rut. Um, I don't think that it's, um, as difficult, um, in my opinion.
1: And I think maybe we're talking about two different types of things. Like I'm, I agree with you on the, you know, it's easier to sneak into an area without being seen. I'm talking more about like walking into an area and ruining the spot forever or ruining the spot for the rest of the season. Um, during during the early season you don't want to go through those main areas even more so than during the rut or during the late season because man i mean they're just it, it almost feels to me like the deer are smarter right now
0: i sorry you broke up on me just a little bit
1: okay i just said i said it almost feels like the deer are smarter right now um and during this time of the year than they are later in the season now they're going to be more educated on on hunters later in the season but i i definitely feel like they're they're creating um i guess kind of a, a playbook for how they're going to r- live out the rest of the hunting season this time of year and so that's why i think it's the most vital part of of your whole hunt is the access because it could make or break an area for the rest of the for the rest that's, of the season for you
0: that's- that's the one thing that I love about hunting public land, um, is I don't have to worry about that near as much. Now, someone who's hunting a small parcel private or something like that, you know, you're not gonna go willy nilly, you know, through your property, especially if like it's a forty acre, you know, parcel or something like that. Um, so that's one thing that I do love about public is being able to uh go wherever You know, I want to not really have to worry about that kind of thing. But I do think that even on public, even if you have a lot of, you know, property that you can cover and not have to worry about blowing the whole area out, I do think that accessing where you don't think a deer is going to be walking is one of the most important things, especially in late season. Just like today, um, I was hunting a field, okay? I could have walked the edge of the field hoping, you know, something wouldn't catch me, you know, walking across the field. Right. Well, in my, in my thought process is well, what if a deer is not out there right now, but what if a deer comes along the field edge once it gets prime time, you know, is my scent that I'm leaving there going to spook that deer and it go back into the woods. So I walk plumb across the middle of the field you can spot me for you know 500 yards in any direction but i'm i'm hoping that the buck that i'm hunting is going to show up at last light and maybe that little scent trail that i left walking around field edge so i wouldn't get caught at you know three o'clock in the afternoon um i'm not i'm not worried about that you know I'm, i'm hunting that other animal basically
1: right right that makes sense so I would consider so, that I would consider that a pretty aggressive approach to to access. But at the same time, you're on a trip, so would you consider that to be a little bit a little bit more aggressive than you no, would normally do be? No, I, I do that.
0: I do that. I do that all every single time if, if I'm in that kind of situation. I avoid where I think a deer would walk at all costs. So so you're saying
1: you go out into the middle of the field because the deer's not typically going to be out there. Um, exactly. That may, if they're yeah. going to be out
0: there, then I've already got eyes on them and they're already in their comfort zone.
1: I don't know, man. Um, I just feel like, you know, remember what you were talking about earlier about walking like walking past your front door really quickly when you just got your undies on? Like, mm-hmm. that's how I feel when I'm out in the middle of an open field, like walking to a <laughs> I spot. Know. I hate it, I, man. Believe me,
0: I... I Believe me, I do too. But I would rather walk in the middle of that field and have those field edges clean, you know, and clear all day long. <laughs> That's just me. Cause so, I know that buck. It's probably not that buck is probably not going to be out there, especially at this time of the year. You know that it could change depending on the situation. Like say, you know, once all of the leaves drop you know am I going to walk across a field where a deer could see me up on a ridge no I mean I'm going to use some sense about it but I'm I'm not going to be hunting in the middle of a field in late season or something like that either though Um, but I do prefer to stay away from deer trail and I will walk across some nasty junk just so I can steer clear of the deer trail
1: yeah I agree with that And so I think we're actually probably a lot closer on our, on our opinions than I originally thought, um, because that, that's really all I'm getting at is just try not to walk in on, on, on your deer trails or where the deer are typically coming in at. Um, so that, that brings me to my next point, which is, um, creative access. So we've talked about going, you know, taking the, taking the difficult route to get to where you're going to go. And that's probably the biggest part to what I do um, with kayak hunting. And so so everything that you're saying, yeah, it is it is it is true. It's true for a lot of people, especially people who are walking in from a parking area or something like that. But for me, it's really not even a thought that I have because if I'm paddling to an area, I'm going to go to the area where I have to hike the least amount and get my scent in there as least as I possibly can. And I'm just going to walk in right. and and set up on the opposite side of where I think these deer are at. And, uh, and, and that's worked out really well for me because typically with, with that kind of access, they're not expecting any danger to be coming from that direction. Um, and, and I'm being smart about how I'm doing it as well. If I have the option to not walk through, you know, this time of year, not walk through a, uh, A spot where I know there's a lot of oaks that are dropping acorns. I can basically skirt. Yeah, can you hear me? Are you there?
0: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now.
1: Okay, what was the last thing you heard?
0: Um, you talking about the deer being on the other side and clean access, and then I heard something about oaks (laughs) or acorns. Yeah,
1: so so I'm just I'm gonna paddle to most of the time. I'm gonna paddle to where I don't have, if especially this time of year when the oaks are dropping dropping the acorns and stuff i'm not gonna i'm not gonna walk right underneath an oak tree to get to where i'm hunting at you know if i have the option to Uh, i'm gonna take the easiest route that i possibly can um and when i say easiest i mean the the least amount of walking i have to do in the woods i'm gonna do that because i'm paddling that's kind of where the paddling comes in handy you don't have to you don't have to walk nearly as far if you're paddling to your spot so um what are some other creative accesses that you've that you've had or experienced or heard about in the past?
0: Um well besides fine walking in the middle of the field instead of along the field <laughs> edge. Um some funny ones, uh you know like <laughs> I've heard of people running through the woods um, you know, like during the rut. That way they think it's um like a deer. Now one thing that I do um that's kind of along the the same lines, you know. I'm a ground hunter. Um, when I access a thicket, um, I don't really mind making noise, especially if I can't see very far. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll try to mimic, you know, what a deer would sound like walking through the woods, as hard as it might be with two legs. <laughs> but um, but once I get in there, I may, you know. Throw around some leaves or or take a limb and and knock it up against like um you know like another tree or something like that just yeah. making it sound like antlers, um, and what I do is I I clear out lanes you know on the downwind side of me, you know to, usually in in every direction I'll try to make lanes but especially on the downwind side because um, there certain times you can access thickets and. And, and do that kind of thing and it it really gets a deer especially a buck you know kind of wondering hey who's in who's, who's in my house like yeah. you know who's over here and I, I've done it plenty of times doing that and like maybe like some uh, little grunts um, and and access think it that way um, yeah I actually you know, one of the bucks that I
1: killed last year um, the second buck I killed last year was five minutes after I climbed up a a tree, you know, because that, that noise now, granted that was during the rut. It wasn't early season. Um, right. But during the rut, man, like that, I, I, I'm totally less likely to care about my access and the noise that I make during the rut for whatever reason, it just never has affected me nearly as much.
0: Yeah. But even making noise to, you know, on your access to draw those deer in, right uh at that certain time of the year i think it is it, i think it's pretty creative you don't see a whole lot of people <laughs> making noise um you know on their access to go into a thicket it has got to be thick you don't want to do it in some open hardwood you don't want to be like on a hillside like <laughs> swinging limbs around and, and crunching <laughs> on leaves or you're going to run everything out of there because the deer just doesn't typically you know do that kind of stuff. But, I like to. You know, I like uh, to take every every, every about
1: every about ten steps. I like to. Uh, I like to just put an acorn in my mouth and crunch it, um, just to try to <laughs> mimic. Try to mimic that sound. <laughs> so, so access can be creative, guys. If you're listening to this, um, get creative with with your access. You know, I've that's what I've done with kayak hunting, and Mike yeah. Mike does that. You know, with his with ground hunting and with you know creating noises that sound closer to a deer deer are pretty curious animals a lot of the time and um and so you can you can definitely be creative with that now one thing that i would say is that you know your access is going to differ on early season and late season because of wind direction um yeah i know michael you don't really necessarily agree with that completely um but there is some some part of it that is that is true no matter what way you want to look at it typically i'm not i'm not going to walk in. Uh, from the south with the wind out of the south and I'm not going to walk in from the north with a wind wait yeah I'm not going to walk in from the north with a wind out of the north
0: Um, yeah now earlier we were talking about morning Um, now that changes you know as far as in the evening usually in the morning I mean unless you've got a strong storm coming in or a strong front pushing through you're not typically going to have those winds right uh, in the morning. Mostly, it's going to be your thermals. You need to be worried about where your falling thermals are going to go to. Are they going to be falling and and going right where they feed? You you know might want to think about that. But once it comes up into the daytime, especially on evening access, uh, you know I'm going to be thinking about where these deer bed. I'm not going to go walking in um, to their bed with my wind blowing right into it. Um, I'm I'm not going to be doing that, but I will set up basically morning and evening according to a falling thermal. Um, Yeah. So I don't care. I do not care as much about wind ever. I put more emphasis usually on falling thermals. So it's going to be like a really, really high wind day. Would you? So unless it's going to be a really high wind day. I don't, um, I don't really, you know, if it's above ten, fifteen miles an hour, then I would put more emphasis on the wind because you know your, your thermals are just not going to matter. But if it's below that, I'm putting a, especially a lot more emphasis on thermals and setting up according to those than the wind. So,
1: that that kind of moves us along to where you're actually hunting during the early season. A lot of people, depending on where you're at um it's it's going to change you know for us in big woods i'm i'm typically going to hunt like what you were talking about i'm going to hunt creek crossings i'm going to hunt where i can find some uh you know an, an oak tree a white oak that they're that they're hitting hard um that's pretty much where i'm going to be now in the in the early season like kentucky where we were at you know i was finding that creek crossings really weren't going to do crap um you had to be on ag you just had to be there, and that's even true now. Had to be, yeah. yeah. You're just not going to see deer cool. on, you know, in the woods. But um, so that definitely changes depending on where you're at in the south, but or in the country. Period. Um,
0: Depends on your food and, and and where you expect their bedding to be. Um, right. We've noticed they've been hitting up these green fields, even though they're not like newly planted green fields or anything. But they've been hitting these pretty hard, and so. What did we do? I mean, we set up both evenings over these fields. Even though you've got wide oak acres dropping, um, these deer, for whatever reason, are still going to these fields. Um, and so that's where we've been positioned at both times. And it killed me to not set up in those woods today. But I, I told Andrew, I was like, Andrew, I was like, it's the same situation that we had up there in Kentucky. I was like, you know, these deer are coming to the field they're going to be at the field mm-hmm. now i could miss them and pick the wrong trail in the woods but by gosh i know they're coming to the field so i'm going to set up on the field what happened you know if i would to set up i probably would have missed that deer you know if i was set up in the woods but instead i was on the field on on that food
1: Mhm. yeah i mean so i think early season man food is food is king as far as your setup i sure. really I really think so, um, and if you're gonna pick one thing to hunt closest to, I would hunt closer to food than I would the bed and that I mean
0: that's true, especially in ag country, yeah, especially, especially
1: in, in ag, ag country. country, but even in even out here, you know anytime I've yeah. ever said, in, in the early season especially um which you know a lot of times in the early season when the when in the hot weather the the bed's not gonna be super far away from the food either um but the closer I am to food, the more success I usually have.
0: Um, even out here cool. in Big Woods.
1: Would you say that's true?
0: And yeah, late season too, focus on, you know, cutovers. Yeah. Um, cutovers are a great source of food in late season. They have all that, you know, different kind of brows, that hardy bow. Yeah. And um and man, they just they they eat it up. Um, so I mean, your food choices are gonna be a lot less, you know or going to be a lot more limited during late season. So if you can find a good food source in late season, man, you know, you need to be hunting close to that, especially like during the rut and stuff. Uh, A lot of those doe groups, you know, I mean, they got a bunch of mouths to eat. They're going to, you know, try to find some good, Mm -hmm. good areas to, you know, to eat. Yeah. And that's one um, thing about early
1: season that, that is different is because they just have more food. And so, you know, I think for me, a lot of my sightings have just, are less in the early season um, just because it's hard to pinpoint those places. Typically it, it can be a little bit easier in the late season to hunt food and find food because it's just a lot, a lot more scarce.
0: Right. Um, yeah. So, but if, if you're on the ag, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely hunt oh the yeah, ag. For sure.
1: So do you think, do you think Michael, that it's different? Um, let, let's talk, cause we, we already kind of hit on that for, um ag country you know i i can't figure out how to hunt the mornings in ag country so I, you know they're not they're not hitting food nearly as much um they're hitting they're hitting the fields at least nearly as much so but in like in big woods like what like what we're normally hunting do you do you find that food is just as important in the mornings as it is in the evenings
0: um I I really don't know. Um if we were talking about Bankhead specifically, I hate I hate him with a passion. Outside of about the first three weeks, it's like I mean the whole place shuts down. Like you don't I don't even know. I may have seen a hand, you know, a hand or two full of deer in the evenings last year hunting it. That that's probably between me and Nathan both, Uh, me and Nathan hunted last year. And that's the way it's been ever since I hunted up there. I just do not have as much luck in the evenings as I do in the mornings. Um, But if you were to talk about somewhere else in Alabama, I mean, God, I mean, everywhere else seems like it's the complete opposite. You know, you've got all of these other places to hunt in Alabama, and they're always better in the evenings, typically, um, yeah. especially early season. And that and that goes for deer hunting in general, especially during the early season. Most of these deer are already going to be in their beds by the time that, um, you know, you get out there to hunt them, um, especially these big bucks. Now, you used to have, you know, the does that move through, you know, like between that eight and nine uh, time period. But, um, but as far as, like, your buck sightings, I mean... You you might as well hang it up in early season. It's tough to get on bucks in the early season in the morning.
1: Yeah, out here I know for sure. I know a lot of people who have a whole lot better luck than I do, but not not on this, not on Bankhead, for sure. You know, you, you just don't. You don't. I see a lot of does in the early season, in some small bucks. Um, I think mm-hmm. the biggest buck I saw last year on Bankhead was probably the third. I think it was November November the third. Or so, and it mm-hmm. was first thing in the morning um going up a drainage off of a creek crossing, and mm-hmm. uh he was about 120 inch deer, you know he wasn't a, a huge deer, but he was the biggest one I saw last year and uh and he was just he was just walking it crossing that creek probably going back up to bed and yeah and uh and now. that was that was the early season so I think you can you can get on them you you can you can have some sightings, but man, that's why I think like early season. If I'm going out to hunt, I'm going to shoot a doe. Like I'm not expecting to shoot a huge buck early season, especially on where I hunt. Um,
0: think but. about your rut times too, um, because some of these does, you know, can can start a little bit early. You know, right? Um, the main rut up there in Bankheads in uh, in November. The um, also main one down there in the southern part is what first week of December. Yeah, second week of December. Yeah, second week. Yeah,
1: I killed. All right, I killed two of them in that that second week of December.
0: Right. So think about that kind of stuff too, um, because you know some of that movement that you might think is just normal movement, it could be like methodical rut type movement, um, Mm -hmm. and just you know, uh, um, say a month ahead of of what you'd normally see, and a month later than what you'd normally see. Right. Um. Because those those bucks, they're um, they're they're usually on a mission when when they're out in daylight. You know, yeah, they got something going on.
1: Well, in that specific day, um, that specific day, man, I saw fourteen deer that day, which is a lot of deer to see in one sit on Bankhead. Um, right. And and it was, I'm not going to say it was rut activity, but I'm not going to say mm. it wasn't. <laughs> It was it right. was as close to you as you get to rut activity without it being. I mean, I saw that buck first thing in the morning. Looked like he was cruising. Um, I saw a spike chase two does, and then I saw just doe after doe after doe, and then one little three point that was basically doing the same thing as that bigger buck was doing. Um, he looked like he was just he was just on a on a mission. You know, he was scent checking or doing whatever he was right. doing. So one of those does may have been um, coming into estrus whenever you know she ran by and those bucks knew yep. it. You know, and I know yep. I know for sure there was one there was one buck uh the week or one doe the week before that that was in the area that I saw um and there was a buck chasing her like dogging her and grunting. And so I mean that's uh-huh. you're talking about the end of October and that's early out here in Alabama, but to your point right just because the typical rut is a certain time does not mean that there's not does coming into heat, you know, throughout the whole season, and so right. whenever that happens, whenever you see that happen, you need to pay attention to it, especially in early season, man, because, um, yeah, in my I opinion, I,
0: go ahead. I, I thoroughly believe that um, you know, if if you've got that you know two week time frame when your rut normally hits or whatever. Um, definitely think about those days, plan to hunt those days, you know, even a month out either side, um, because those deer, I mean, you may not, you may not see the sign just yet, but it's coming, you know, yeah. it may be a month early, you know, as far as seeing the woods light up with, you know, tons and tons of scrapes and tons of rubs. But, you know, that month before, I mean, you've got those does in there. Those bucks know. I mean, they're ready, right? Um, so, think about and, that two-week time frame, even a month, you know, before you know. And you can it, I find there.
1: I think you you, you can in in your in whatever area you're in. Um, when you start seeing, especially in early season, if you see that there's some does, or maybe you just out there one day and you see a buck chasing a doe, pay attention to that because whenever that happens it makes those bucks a lot more killable in your area you know even if it's not typical even if it's not like the rut you could have a chance if you're paying attention to every single time that's why i think like a hunting journal or something like that is such a good idea because you can start paying attention to patterns that you see you know what's the earliest you saw a deer um a buck chasing a doe or um you know looking like he was on the trail of a hot doe. Pay attention to that stuff because that's when you thats when you start getting into, okay, the bucks in your area can be killable right here.
0: Sure. There's an area in Bankhead, you know, where I let one of those cameras soak for a few months. I had deer chasing in October. I had them chasing in November. I had them chasing in December. I had them chasing in January and even the week before I pulled my camera in February.
1: <laughs> that's why and, I love it, man.
0: That, yeah, and I wouldn't have known that, you know, had I been moving cameras around from one place to another, you know, and that kind of thing. I mean, we typically think, you know, this the rut, you know, is, is only this, you know, one month and or maybe two months at the most, and then it's gone. But I mean, if you if you see a you know a boat chasing a doe or you see some cruising activity. Think about those other months surrounding those, you know, that, you know, one time frame. And think about those days, those specific days, because every single one of those cameras lit up uh, that particular year. I think it was like around the 17th or 19th, um, every single day of, of like three of those months was on the same exact day almost. Um, yeah. It was like the 19th of October november and december so you know use that to your advantage
1: yeah i agree man i I think that we've covered a lot we've had kind of a long conversation on this we've covered so many things and we could probably keep talking about it but um you know i think i think this definitely leaves room and um gives people an opportunity to not i mean don't take what we say as gospel truth because it's definitely not this is just our experience but um but maybe there's some some little nuggets in here that you can take into the woods with you next time if you're already hunting right now um maybe maybe we covered something that you hadn't thought of yet um but man michael you got anything else
0: man i need to hurry up and get in bed i have still got like a 30 minute drive back to where i don't have cell service and (laughs) uh and then got to hunt early early in the morning and it's like Um, what, 10.30 Central? So does that mean it's 11.30 Eastern? Yep. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, you got a couple hours of sleep, man. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right, dude. But uh,
0: but I had fun, man. Yeah, it was great. Hopefully you guys got something
1: out of it. I hope Um, so. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they're just sitting around making fun of us. That's okay, too. (laughs) Probably so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, you, uh, be successful tomorrow. Don't make us look bad. I'm
0: I'm gonna try man. Hey, I didn't tell you I found a, a pair of sheds in that field, dude. You, um,
1: that's like a third shed you found just this weekend, right? <laughs>
0: I found I found a lot this year. Um that's insane. I found a lot of sheds.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, I think I
0: found at least two on both both the trips I've made. One, the ones in Kentucky, and the ones down here. So, wow. oh, and then uh, me and my dad found that one pair the other day when we went scouting too. Yeah. So, that's crazy,
1: dude. Well, man, yeah. be safe. Let me know if you kill something. We're rooting for you. All right. All right, buddy. Day, buddy. All right, see ya. All right, thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, we have one thing really quick before we go uh, that I promised you we would do at the very beginning of the show, and that is to give away the Go Wild gear, $100 worth of Go Wild gear, and an Onyx Premium Membership. And the winner of that is Jason Bogess or Boggess, B-O-G-G-E-S-S. So Jason, if you are listening to this, you have won, hit me up, man. I'm going to do everything I can to get a hold of you. But if you get a hold of me first, then uh, that'll be great. And I will send you your Onyx membership, and we will get you in touch with Go Wild so you can pick up all the gear that you want to get for a hundred bucks. So um, man, congratulations. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks to everybody who participated in this giveaway. I'm sure you'll see more things just like this in the future. Um, but that is it for today. Always. Thanks to our partners at Onyx, at New Breed, at Tethered, and at Go Wild. Guys, I think any of these companies are top notch. And if you will use them, I do not think you will be disappointed. Hopefully you got something out of this episode um i know i did every time michael opens his mouth i feel like i learned something new about deer so hopefully you guys got something out of it um if not maybe you were just entertained listening to us talk and and act stupid and maybe that's what you think if you do then that's fine at least you downloaded the episode and we got your download you guys um make sure you follow us on facebook and on instagram on at southern ground hunting um check out the youtube channel that sportsman's nation network on youtube we're uploading videos um very often you can watch our kentucky hunts michael has some stuff coming from georgia that's going to be up very soon oh man i think that is everything i feel like i'm out of breath now but um stay stay uh, connected to what we're doing we got a lot of cool stuff coming up on the southern ground hunting podcast and on all of our media outlets i think you guys will enjoy that um you guys have a great week remember That God gave us dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. Especially this time of year, you guys, remember to go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.